doing? I have to leave my southern accent in Louisiana, right? No. No? It's okay. Can you understand me? Okay. Just re- please repeat. No, it is so, we are so honored. Our church is so honored in Brazil to be supported by such an awesome church that loves missions and just loves people. And we just feel so privileged and so honored. And like Hope was saying, you know, we, we have gone through some difficulties, but you know, that's not too big for God, right? Um, so what happened to me uh, three years ago, this happened in October of 2012, and um, we, we don't have a video, but I do have some photos that I will show you along the way, just to kind of give you a, a visual. Um, Hope's little boy asked me, are you a teacher? And no, but I want to be. <laughs> I told him no, but I want to be. So I have some visuals for us too. Amen. So um, we have been in Brazil for 16 years, and Brazil is, is, Rio de Janeiro specifically is a city that's very beautiful. In fact, as you may know, the Olympics are happening there right now. And Brazil finally beat Germany yesterday. <gasps> finally. We got, they killed us in the World Cup. I mean, it was just embarrassing. And all of, of Brazil was just silenced. I was. We were watching the game. And I'm, you're not really interested in football today, are you? I know. I'll move on. Um, but we're e- excited that the Olympics, I think, in general, are going well. Because, you know, Brazil, if you don't know, is still, they call it a developing country, right? But we're still at the, the edge of third world, you know. And that's important for you to know because I have some facts that I'm going to tell you in a little bit. But I want to share with you as we open up. Um, a scripture that I have loved since the day I gave my life to Jesus when I was 18. And this scripture was so, it just just impacted me so, so prof- profoundly. And it says this, and you may know it because I know you're a, a, a church that studies the word of God. And it says this in Isaiah 53, verse uh, four, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Now, the first part of that verse I experienced when I was 18, I realized that my list of iniquities and transgressions, it was really long. It looked like a Santa Claus list, like the kind you, you know, you send to Santa Claus, I want this and this. That was how long my transgressions and iniquities were. And when, and this was a prophecy about Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. And when I discovered that Jesus did that for me, it changed my life completely. And as we be, I became a pastor and we were ministering, of course we pray for the sick and we believe that by his stripes we are healed. But in October 2012, I got to experience that in a way that was really amazing. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you through some details. First of all, we live in Rio de Janeiro, and if you have not been there, it's worth going one day. It is very beautiful, 
and there's a beach, and it's, I guess, maybe a bit like San Diego, um, and, and I love to walk on the beach because it, it's, it's really beautiful. My children study at their, their school is, re, is very near the, uh, the beach, so I leave my kids at school, and I go, and I hop over to the beach, and I walk two or three times a, a week, and that's good, right? We all should walk a little bit and exercise a little bit, right, and catch some sunshine, and right? Yeah, come on. This is San Diego, right? And so, and it was free, you know, I didn't have to go to the, the, the health club, and, and so I love to do it. It was a, it was, it was a, a, a part of my, my week that I love to do. And I always marked about, you know, 30 minutes, warm up, just do a little jogging, do a little running, and go home and get, take a shower and work, right? Because we have to work, right? Just me. Okay, come on. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that was my, my, my ritual. So this was a, a Friday. And, um, and it was, uh, in, it was in October and, um, and I did my routine. I parked my car, I stretched and I began to walk. But this particular day I was encountered by a homeless man. I had never seen this man before. I had, I had gone hundreds of times to the same area of the beach. Um, this homeless man encountered me and he, um, acquired, he found a large piece of, of wood, which most likely helped to support a, a fence alongside the, um, the, the walkway along the beach. And he, he hit me several times. The first time he hit me, I was, I was knocked out. I was over. Um, and then he proceeded to, to continue to hit me until the people around rescued me. And so um, his main objective was to kill me. I, I never saw this man. They tell me that I must have passed by, uh, must have passed him by, and he came from behind me and hit me first on the, the, the back of my head on the right side, which when I fell, you fall on the, it was asphalt there, you, I fell on my left side. And so that began some very serious brain trauma and damage. Then he continued to, he did not hit me in any other area except my head because his objective was to kill me. It was very demonic. He needed help. He was not able to be on the streets. And, you know, and I, I do still love Rio, and I promise you this was a rare thing. So if ever you come to visit us in Rio, I promise I'll take you to a safe place, okay? Um, there is violence, but I, there is violence in many cities, and it's a large city. Um, and, and so that was, that was that day. I was rushed to the hospital. The ambulance came. And, um, and, and from that very moment, you know, um, we can always look at things in, in two different ways. You know, a very, you, you, know, you know the saying about the, the cup being half full or half empty, right? Well, when we, my husband and I began to think back at all the things that happened during this encounter, um, God did a lot of miracles, very small miracles. For instance, just one, the ambulance arrived very quickly. Now, I don't know here. I haven't experienced the traffic in San Diego. I know Hope had a hard time picking me up at the hotel. But in Rio on a Friday, and this is 8 o'clock in the morning, which is rush hour, right? It, it does not move very fast, okay? Most people who live in Rio, they allow two hours to get to work. That's two hours just to get to work and then two hours to come back home. And that, that's normal, 
I mean, it's really sad, but that is the norm. So for an ambulance to get me to a hospital at 8 o'clock in the morning during rush hour was a miracle, and they managed to do it before I died. And we can look at that, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. But it's a small miracle, and it's a small thing. It's a stepping stone, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, of how God sometimes does his miracles. We need to pay attention to sometimes the details. I'm just, I love God so much. It is so hard for me to stay contained. It is really hard. So that was how that day began. And um, I was rushed to the hospital. Now, what happened... Um, I, I don't run or jog or walk with my, my wallet and my purse. If you see my purse, it's, it's close to a suitcase, actually. And so I had no identification on me when I was found. So they rushed me to a public hospital. Now, remember I told you this was in a, a developing company, right? Uh, a country, right? A third world developing com- a country. And so I was taken to a public hospital, which happened to be the best place that I could have gone. The ambulance brought me to the right place. There was a hospital nearby, but most likely I would have died. At the hospital they took me to, they performed two surgeries. Now, bear with me. We're going to go through a little science lesson this morning, too, okay? You could, win, you, could you know, uh, make an A today if you pay attention very closely. Um, the first surgery uh, that they needed to do was to remove part of my skull. And, um, and the second, on both sides, they, they actually uh, made a hole on this side and then removed half of my skull from this side. And you say, gosh, Renee, that's awful. Yes, it, it was not very pretty. And we can, uh, let's see if we can, you have the, the first picture. You can flash that up there again. This is when, this is when I came out of the first surgery. And uh, flip it one more. And there's one more, and one more. There we are. That was, um, I believe, um, I'm not sure if I have a photo of it, but basically they removed half of my skull. And the reason, that, the reason they did that was when, there we are, there it is. That's, yeah, that's, that's awful. Gosh, God can really do miracles, you guys. He really can. So the reason for that, okay, let me ask you guys something. Has anyone ever, like, smashed this bone right here on something? On your leg? Can you see me? This one. The one up here in the, what do you call it? There's your shin. Gosh, why couldn't I remember? That's such an easy word. Yeah, your shin. Now, when you banged it on the coffee table, for instance, did it hurt? Yeah, just a little bit. No, a lot. Yeah, I know. And uh, in some people, like me, it turns purple, and then a few days later it turns yellow, right? And so it is a bruise. So what I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is when my brain was, was beaten, it had suffered a lot of trauma, it was bruised. And it was muscle bruised, right? But, and also my head. And so what happens is it swells when it suffers a trauma, right? And so if it has, our skulls are not made with space. They can't stretch. We're not elastic. We don't have elastic bones, right? 
So they had to remove the part of my skull so to allow space for my brain to swell. Because if they didn't do that, the only place that it could go was down, was down my spinal column, right? And we know that those are where our nerves, the very crucial nerves to our entire body, that function our organs, our breathing, our, our everything, muscle, everything is controlled by those, uh, by the, the nerves in our spinal column. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay. So that's the reason they had to remove that. Um, then, and I'll tell you, when I arrived at the hospital, um, they do studies on everyone who arrives, and they, they, um, I'll give you some of my statistics, my prognosis, prognosis, yeah. I'm still learning English, <laughs> gosh, my gracious. Um, so this is, they, um, they, they, deceive, they, they test my eyes to see uh, if they're dilating, um, and they only, I only had one eye that was dilating. Um, I, had, I suffered what they call a midline shift, and what that means is we all have our, our brains situated in the middle of our skulls, right? In middle, and, but mine had been dislocated. So um, that was a very serious, it wasn't dislocated a lot, but it was a half a centimeter. It's still not where it's supposed to be, right? So I suffered a midline shift. I suffered bilateral subdural bruising. Remember we talked about the bruising? Well, this means, bilateral subdural means it was deep bruising, like inside, um, subdural, right? You guys, English, we're doing good here? Okay bruising on both sides of my brain. So not, not just one side was affected. It was on both sides. I suffered an obliteration of my third ventricle, which is one of the nerves that are in my spinal column because the swelling had already started and one of the uh, nerves was already being compressed, an obliteration of the third vent, uh, ventricle. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, beyond that, I received a, I was, I was in a coma, and Glasgow is a, 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 a prognosis of, of comas. Comas range from a level, well, they say zero, but really three to 15. So if someone were to uh, have a, a, a 15, you, you probably will be okay. If you receive a level three, it, is, it means that your brain has died that it is, it's, you could still be alive, your body could still be alive, but your brain is dead, and that's a level three. When I arrived at the hospital, they gave me a level five. I was in a level five coma. I had the privilege a few years ago, well, two, two years ago, to um, meet the surgeon, and he said, Renee, when, you, when, when we were ready to operate on you, I did one more test, and your level of coma had already dropped down to a level four. Both of my eyes were not dilating, and it was so I had already dropped. I was very close, very close to, to death, and so that was a um, that was my technical uh, prognosis. My husband, which I think he was here maybe a few years ago, um, he left me behind. Oh. Um, but he, he, yeah, well, I don't know, but um, he. Uh, he is a very, he's a man of faith. He really is. He's a man of faith. He always sees the cup as half full. He always does. He's an optimist. So when he finally got a chance to talk to the surgeons, he said, so, doc, 
so, like, when do you think we can go home? You know? And the doctor was, Philip, you really, you do not understand. And so he was patient enough to sit with Philip, and he showed him a computerized program of the, 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 the statistics, where, where I was, and what was to be the outcome from what I had suffered. And what he told Philip was that, listen, Renee has 66% chance that she will most likely die within the next two weeks. She is not likely to live in, 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 within the next two weeks. She will probably die. If, that's 66% chance, if she does live, she will have a 92% chance to have very severe consequences, um, disabilities. And so Philip was, okay, well, what does that mean? Like exactly 92, what, you know, severe, what does that mean? And so the doctor said she will be blind, she will be deaf, she will not walk. She will not have memory. She may not recognize you or your children. She will need 24-hour care, and she most likely will not be able to leave the hospital. If she does leave the hospital, she will need 24-hour care. And that was 92% chance. And so Philip, being the optimist that he is, well, what about the other 8%, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so the doctor said, well, Philip, this 6 or 7%, um, of that is um, medium consequences, medium uh, medium uh, disabilities. And so Philip said, well, so what is that? Well, she may only be blind in one eye, and she may be only deaf in one ear. She, um, she might recognize you, but she may not be fluent in speech or memory. She may have some memory, but not much. She may be able to communicate a bit. She may even be able to walk a little bit with a walker and... Um, and she will still probably need 24-hour care. She will need uh, health care. And so then he said, well, what about the other 1%? And the doctor just didn't even, he said, Philip, she's not even in that. She's just not even in that category. And so he left with that, with that, from that meeting with the doctor and thinking, what does one do? What do you do when you receive a very grim um, notice? What do we do? What do we do? Yeah, and so that's what he, you know, he left that, wow, my, my wife, either she's going to die or she's going to be very, and that was, you know, it wasn't just an opinion of the doctor. It was, it was computer, you know, they have it all, like, technical, and, and no, this is, where, this is most likely where she's going to be. Um, and so he, he is an engineer. Uh, he said to be, so he, he's trying to think of what can I do? Is there anything, any way I can solve this problem? And there was nothing. And so he said, well, I'm going to email and Facebook and FaceTime and Skype everybody that I know on the planet Earth to start praying for my wife. And that's what he did. And so the whole world, technically, not everybody, but a lot of people, um, because we are part of a, a mission or uh, organization called Surge, and we have other missionaries like us all around the world. Please pray for my, he said, please pray for my wife. And, and so the prayers began to roar up from earth, and I think Gathering Place was part of that too. And so uh, it, it's very important it's very important, and, and you'll see the progression of this, but this is the, the first part that I really want to emphasize to you, that um, the church is an awesome place. 
And the church is what God has somehow given us a structure to, to, to form. You know, a church is not perfect, but it is where we all meet together. We worship the Lord together. And it is where we can find someone of the same faith and say, Sister, please pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. And man, we need each other. We really need each other. And, and I, I, I speak, I tell my testimony in a lot of places, and every time I hit on this thing, I, just, I almost cry because I just want you to get this part so much. That church is an awesome place to be, and it's where you need to be. Now, now our natural tendency when we go through hard times, and sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's somebody else's fault, sometimes we, you know, it's all that. It doesn't really matter. But our natural uh, tendency is to, to just hide. We don't want anyone to know. And I know some things can be embarrassing and shameful and all that, but this is the church. And there are mature people in the, in the church that can lift you up and pray for you and stand with you and give you encouragement and, and have more faith than you. Have faith when you don't have it. And that is the church. And that is real. You know, I have faith, but I bet some of you have more faith than I do in some areas. You know what I'm saying? So we need each other. We really, 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 did I say really? Do we really need each other? We need the church. It is an awesome place. It is where God can move. We, we pray today, Lord, you're welcome to Holy Spirit, you're welcome to here. We are, we are in his presence. Yes, we leave with his presence too. It's not just in the walls, but we are together. And it is, it is, it is, it is the place to be when we need a miracle. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, when F- Philip, our pastor, uh, Larry Stockstill, was in Nepal and um, when he got the notice and he was ministering at a, 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 past, a pastor's conference in Nepal. I often wonder how many pastors are in Nepal, right? But there were a lot, and they were praying for me. Um, and so Philip did speak to him, and he gave Philip words of encouragement. Miss um, Melanie was the first person that, um, that, that talked to Philip on the phone. And, he, and Philip was expecting to... Uh, Oh, Philip, I'm so sorry. You know, some loving words of a nice mom, you know. But that's not what she told him. You know what she told him? Philip, you stand up. You pick up your head. Your head. You're gonna, she is going to be healed. You, this is not the time for you to be weak. Stop. <laughs> that's, that's what women can do. Be careful, you guys. Um, and so she, he just woke up, you know. It was what he needed. It wasn't the nice, soft, oh, I'm so sorry. It was a no, stop. You need to have faith. You need to believe. She's going to be healed. We need to hear that. And so, you, you know, if your pastor gives you a little, you know, we call it um, in Brazil a little spanking with a flip-flop. <laughs> it has its own word. But when he gives you a little spanking with a flip-flop, you know, it may be good for you, you know. Can I say that, Pastor? I'm sorry. Okay. Line up for your spanking with a, a flip-flop. But sometimes we need that. And what Pastor Jonathan um, Stockstill called Philip also. And he gave him um, a word. And, and Philip was claiming the, the Hebrews 11, chapter one, uh, verse 1. And those of you who are, are very studied in the Bible know this one too. This is the Hebrews, the, the faith chapter. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
is, is not looking only at the evidence in the natural, but looking beyond, right? And so um, that's what faith is. And so a lot of times we think um, if faith is, uh, is, is imagining, okay, we get, for instance, this can be in any area. It can be our health. I know Hope received some, some, some bad uh, news. It could be in our finances. It could be a relationship. It could be, you know, we, we sometimes get bad news. I mean, ABC, CBS, and they have some bad news, right? CNN, we get some bad news. Um, but, and, and so it is, a, it is an, an, a, a piece of reality, so what the doctors were telling Philip, you know, it was a reality. It was what was. Yeah, it, it was, it was the, the natural, this is it. This is where she is, right? But faith sees beyond that. You understand what I'm saying? So, so we can't, you know, oftentimes we can't receive a bad notice and think, oh, well, that's not true. Because sometimes they really are true. You know, when you get your bank statement and it's just in the negative, that pretty much means that you don't have money, right? You no, know, you know, I'm kind of joking, but it's true. And so there's, a, there's the natural part that is real. But when we walk with God, faith is the thing that gets you to see beyond that. And so in, in, in part of what Philip did was he, he posted a picture of me of, um, uh, above my bed and it was a picture of me smiling and all fun but I was in a coma a level four coma and so faith was like no I'm believing that that's she's going to get back to that stage you understand and so and that's what I believe faith is all about when pastor Jonathan Stockstill called Philip and and he gave him a word out of Acts Acts 19 and um it was a story about Paul uh, when Paul was, uh, he was stoned, uh, the people got angry and they decided that they didn't want them, the disciples to preach about the gospel anymore. So they stoned him. Uh, it's Acts, I'm sorry, Acts 14, 19 and 20. It says they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Now this is the word of God, okay? But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Got it up there? Yeah. What happened when the disciples gathered around him? Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good verse. So Pastor Jonathan gave this to Philip. So the day after, Philip was interviewed you guys, and this was another small, oh dear, oh wow, I need to talk faster. I know, man, I thought we just got here. Um, he, Philip claimed that, um, no, she will be healed and she will come back into this city. And he was talking to the, to the, uh, the t- television stations. She will come back into the city and she will preach the good news of God. And that was faith. 
That was, that's real faith there. That is seeing beyond. And that's where we need to be. And, and Philip, you know, and this is the other side of the story about faith. He told me, and he confessed, he said, I was in a coma this whole time. Okay? I had no idea what was going on. Okay? The church is praying for me. My husband's having faith. My children are having faith. Everybody's having faith around me, and I'm in a coma. Okay, just to let you know where I was during this. Okay, um, So he said, Renee, I didn't have the, the faith to go into your room. You're going to come and say, be healed. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. He said he did not have the faith to believe that. He said, and one day, he, as he was praying, you know, God, give me more faith. Help me. The whole thing. He said, finally, I had faith to believe that you would open your eyes and wake up from the coma. Now, this is a level four coma. Okay, I know people who have been in a level in comas for 12 years. So this is a, within nine to ten days after, um, Philip, he, he told everybody, please pray. Oh, let's pray for her to open her eyes. And that's a little tiny itty-bitty, you know, the little, you know, uh, was it um, seed of uh, mustard seed? Yeah. yeah. It's really little. And that's what Jesus was talking about, just a little bit. I have faith that she can open her eyes. And what happened the day after the church prayed, I opened my eyes. Now, I did not do like Paul. I didn't get up and go back, okay? But I opened my eyes. But that's also seeing the cup half full. I stayed awake for maybe 15 minutes, and that's it. I slept for the the rest of the 23 and three-quarters hours. So it was a process. It was not, I did not get up and walk the next day. But I opened my eyes. And so Philip began, we prayed, or you guys, everybody prayed, not me, um, for, for me to wake up, to, for me to have movement, for me to, uh, to remove the, the breathing uh, tube, to remove my feeding tube. And it was one day after other, and God responded. God, he did it, each thing. So that's what I'm talking about, faith. You know, if, whatever you're going through, if you don't have the, be healed in the name of Jesus, or, you know, oh, God, give me a million dollars tomorrow to get me out of debt you know that that may you may not have the faith for that and that is okay but the faith that you do have maybe don't buy so much when you go to the grocery store (laughs) you know i'm serious you know and 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 it you know god to, to to for god to move on our behalf it doesn't really take a lot you know, and, and I can say that now, but, but it was a process with me. It was not one day for the other. Amen? You guys getting this? A little something? So, um, so Paul, God did not do that for me, but he was moving. Within a month, less than a month, I was able to go home out, out from the hospital. Yeah, I woke up, I was out of the coma, I was walking, I was talking, I was being angry with the nurses and the doctors and everybody because there's a whole nother area here. Remember the trauma to the brain? Well, that includes some emotional stuff, okay? So, I was not well, and they had to give me some very strong medicine, okay? Um, One thing that I really hated... Well, I, as I was getting better, which was good, but I thought I was sometimes better than I really was. So I'm missing half of my, my cranium, half of my skull, but I thought I could just pop out of bed and go for a walk. Well, I couldn't. So I fell twice out of the bed. And that, you can imagine, they were in a panic in the hospital, you know, again. Um, so they had to begin tying me to my bed. 
And I'm from Bruley, Louisiana, and you just don't do that to a Cajun girl. You just don't. And so I did not like that at all, but it was good for me. I had to, I was on very strong medication, and the only person that would, could manage to tie me um, in my time of being tied, it was like a timeout. Renee, you need a timeout. Um, was Philip, and he decided to preach one night. Where he thought, hey, you know, I'll go and preach at our church. And so he asked my sweet mother-in-law to come and watch me. Well, the time came when, because they need to sleep, and my husband stayed with me, and, but they need to sleep, and so they can't watch me 24 hours. And at any time, I could just pop up and go. So she said, Renee, it's time, you know, I'm going to, you know, we need to attach you to the bed. And she's trying to, I love my mother-in-law, okay, just to let you know, but I bit her twice. I bit her twice. So I was not well emotionally, you can imagine. And I did not like being tied up either. So that didn't help. But I needed it. And so there were, I, I, I said a lot of strange things. I, was, I had no filter. Like when people, they came to minister to me. And uh, by, by singing sometimes. And so I would just tell them right out, you do not know how to sing. I had no filter, like nothing, and so, <laughs> no filter, so it was dangerous, it was really scary, my husband, my poor husband, and my kids, too, and so these sweet little girls, would, but you know, it's, I'm, I feel so, so bad, because nurses in other sections of the hospital that, that knew I was there, they came and they prayed for me, there were lines at the hospital of people who wanted to come into my room and pray for me. Yeah, I'm serious. And Brazil is rocking. It was. It was on the news all over Brazil. All over Brazil knew what happened to a little American girl living in Rio de Janeiro. They did. I, literally, I had pastors on their knees praying around my bed. It was amazing. So I'm not. I'm not. When I tell you the church, I'm not. I'm not playing. I really believe that the prayers of the church can rock the world. Seriously. Um, so I, I got home, okay, and so I was still on my very heavy medication. And, in fact, my husband said that he was addicted to my medicine. Because um, every time I got a little bit, he was give me a little bit more. Um, um, and so I was walking. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's about the time I got home. You see the patch on my left eye, right? That's because when I, when I got home, I was walking, I was talking. I could see, but I would see double. Like this eye was looking at you guys over there, but this one was looking at you guys. So I had vision, but it was far from normal, far from good. But, you know, if I were an evangelist, Pastor, if I saw, if there were 200 people here, I would see 400 in a second. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. But that was not cool to live like that. Um, so I was walking, but I was, I, I was walking kind of like, I was very stiff. I mean, b- believe me, brain, ner- everything was trying to reconnect. You know, it was like a, it was like a being re- reborn almost. Um, my neurologist told me, in this, in the, this happened in October, I came home in November. In December, my neurologist, the main neurologist, sat down with us. He looked at my latest MRI, and he said, hmm, hmm, okay, you know how doctors do, hmm, hmm. And then he closed it, and he said, my work is complete. 
And we said, well, what about this area here? He goes, yeah, that was damaged pretty bad. Well, what about this? One? Yeah, that one too. And, and, and so there's several spots you can see on the MRI. And he said, yeah, well, you know, within six months to a year, it might get better or not. That was basically his, and really, you know, it, it goes to show you really two things, how intelligent God is, that he's the one that made our brains to function the way they do. Amazing. Can I just tell you? And man, humans do not know everything about it even. There's so much more to go. No, I'm serious. We just do not know. They're not, my, my, job, my, my work is complete. And I said, wait a minute, you know, can't you see? And I'm walking, you know, the eyes, you know. And, and so we researched, you know, could we do surgery on the eyes? And they said, yeah, you can do surgery to move one eye back to where, you know, situated properly. But most likely she would lose it anyway. Within, you know, with time she would lose its function. So there I am with a patch on my eye. So we began, we were praying. We continued to pray. I was, I had already come out of a coma, got home from the, I didn't need to wear diapers anymore. At this point, I wasn't even biting people anymore. <laughs> I was good. Um, so, but it wasn't perfect. You know, it wasn't like it, you know, like it was it used to be, you know. And so I remember, um, I was at home and I, I remember my, I have four children and they were working hard. They were serving me like crazy and they were praying and, and believing. But, um, in, in Brazil, you know, we, like, we have washer and dryers of clothes and things. And, but we, no, we don't have dryers. We have a washer, but we don't really have dryers. We just hang everything out. And the same thing with the kitchen. We don't have dishwashers. I know you're thinking, what? What? Yeah, and we survive. Yeah, really. Um, but it got to the point, Pastor, when I, um, I, I realized that I couldn't serve my family. And I was going to church, too, but I couldn't clap my hands during the worship because my, my left side was paralyzed. So I was clapping like this, you know, and I couldn't walk, and my eyes were messed up. And, and I sat on my bed in my room, and I just cried. And I said, God, I want to be 100% healed. I really, really, I want to be 100% healed, everything. I want to be able to wash dishes, all of them, because I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, my left hand couldn't hold the dish to wash, and my kids were, and I couldn't cook them the food that I loved cooking for them, you know. I know your moms can identify something with that, right? I just couldn't serve my, my family. I just was useless. And I said, no, God, I, I just, I want to be healed 100%. I want the whole thing. I want it. I want to wash dishes and everything. So I woke up the next morning, and I started washing dishes. And I thought, well, I'm just going to wash what I can. And so the bigger ones I could pick up and I could wash. So I did that. And so uh, I also started my own therapy. Um, we were trying to get on a program of therapy. And so before that happened, we had a, a pool in our neighborhood. And so I would go to the pool every day and clap my hands under the water and do exercise for my left side. And I would walk in the water and try to strengthen my left side. Um, and within a week... I went back to church and I could clap my hands on the front row. Yay! And I could wash a lot of dishes. And you think, wow, that's so little. Yeah, it is so little. I didn't pray, you know. I, you know, I didn't pray, oh, God, please heal me because I want to go preach at Gathering Place in, in, in San Diego. I didn't pray that. I prayed I want to wash dishes. No woman would ever do that, right? 
I know. But maybe I'm here today because I just prayed and God answered for that little thing. Can I wash dishes? You know what I'm saying? So sometimes faith is not so big. Faith can work in the little things. Um, so we are running out of time like crazy. So this is really important, and that is the supernatural side. Now, I talked about the church praying, and there isn't a, a, a part where we need to do stuff. We need to want to wash dishes. We need to want to, you know, do the things. We need to want to. And so I went to therapy. I was accepted into therapy. I went three times a week. I lifted weights, I swam, I speech therapy, they taught me how to walk again, everything. And one time we, one day we got a phone call, and it was a, a woman from another church. We were friends with this other church. I did not know this woman. She said, can I please come pray for your wife? And Philip said, yeah, sure. So she came, and she prayed. It was as sweet as she prayed for my neurons to be reconnected and everything to, to, to go back to normal. And she said, Renee, what is the thing you want the most? And I said, her name is Joy. Her name is Joya. I said, Joy, I, my eyes are messed up, and I can't. It, it, it hinders me from doing things. And so she prayed for my eyes to be healed. When she left my house, I was, went out to the door, she looked at me and she said, Renee, your eyes will be healed in six days. And so, Philip, we never worked in that healing kind of thing. We didn't, you know, we prayed for healing. We saw things happen that were amazing. But, okay, six days. And so we're thinking, well, why couldn't it be today? You know, I mean, <laughs> can we fast forward it a little bit? You know, um, second day delivery or something. Um, and so we, we, we kept the faith. On the sixth day, my son woke me up, and he said, Mom, I have to go. I don't know why he woke me up, but he did. And when he looked at me, he said, Mom, your eyes are normal. And I do still wear contacts. Okay, I confess. But but I don't see 400 today, Pastor. I'm sorry. You know, but we are saying with faith, yeah. Um, so... It, there is a supernatural, and that is not too small for God. It is not too much for God. And so I always say, that, you know, it was it was the gifts of someone in, in the church, because we have gifts that God gave us freely, not to covet for ourselves, but to use. So she had to have courage to call me and say, can I come pray for you? Yes, please. So the gifts in the church, the church is, is vital in a situation, and you need to do your part. God is not going to do what you can do. God is not going to go to my swimming pool and clap his hands under the water for me. He's not going to do it. I had to do that. There's a part that I had to go to therapy three times a week to reconnect my brain. I even ate a diet of food that was good for my brain only for months. I don't know if that helped, but I don't think it hurt, right? So do what you can, whatever, wherever you are, whatever situation, do what you can. And the third is the supernatural, and God can do that. And that, that's it. God, please do what I can't do. I've done everything I can. Please do the rest. Amen? God is good. He, and he loves us. And I asked my son, I asked all my children, I gave them interviews, each of them as I got better. I said, how are you doing? How's your faith? Oh, Mom, I knew you were going to go back 100%. I knew it. 
They knew it. That was faith. That was faith. And my little son, he was 10 at the time. I asked him, I said, son, why do you think God healed mommy? And he said, and my expectation was, oh, because he loves us, and he loves me, and he loves you, and he loves our family. You know what he said? I think that God healed you because he wants the world to know that he heals. And that pretty much sums it up. And so I don't know where you are today. And sometimes we go through battles. And I know a lot of us have had battles. And we get tired. And sometimes we need a word that gives us an encouragement and says, Hey, no, this can happen. We can do it. You can do it. Let's do it. And that's, that's what the church is about. So that's why I'm here today. And I love the opportunity to tell you that God does still heal. heal. He still, I've got that, that Louisiana, he still heals today. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's not a, only stopped in the New Testament. It is today. It is today. Cancer is not too big for God. A broken relationship is not too big for God to heal. And I know families have problems today. We go through stuff. Moms and dads and sons and daughters and sons and moms. And there, there are situations, struggles that we go through with relationships. And I am here to tell you today that God can heal those if you want it and if you will have faith. Many times Jesus asked, Jesus asked a blind man, what would you like? I can just imagine, if I were a disciple next to Jesus, I would be telling my friend, but Jesus, no, he's blind. Isn't that obvious what the guy wants? Heal my eyes, I'm blind. But you know, sometimes Jesus and God wants to know, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? He wants to know. He wanted to know, Renee, do you really want to wash dishes? Yes, God, I really want to wash dishes. I cried. I literally cried because I was not 100%. So, church, I'm going to ask you all, please stay, stand up. I'm going to open. And if you need prayer, we are in the church today, and we are without a lot of time. And I'm so sorry, Pastor. Please forgive me. But I want to pray for some of you. If you need healing, if you need a relationship. Yes. And I'm ordered by Hope to tell you about my book. So, And it is really, it's awesome. And if you are not going through something right now, you may in your future, or you may someone know someone who is. And I, I did not tell you all the details that are in my book. And it is, it's, it's really good for you to be encouraged. Inside, there's also, they call them a QR code, these little things. It's not a mistake, okay? Everybody under 30 knows what this is, but the rest of us don't, okay? Um, it's a QR code that you can see the video that is related to the what is written. And it's really cool, actually. And if you need help, just talk to someone under 30, and they can help you, okay? Okay, I'm going to do something else real quick, too. Um, let's redo this. Why don't you have a seat real quick? Because some healing's about to break out in here. Hallelujah. And I don't want to interrupt it. I'm going to ask the ushers to come down. Uh, well, we want.